Question and inquiry I keep asking myself what is it like to be manifest in this form, this time? Particularly if you're a little reluctant for who you are and what what is it what does it mean to be here at this time with this body, this mind? What possibilities does it offer? So we've been reflecting on the possibilities that the Buddha has pointed to, the possibility of, of recognizing inheritance, that, that there's possibility of completely freeing the heart. So that's part of what it means to be manifest, that we're waking up beings. And you can really feel it in this retreat. We're waking up beings in a field of waking up beings. It's not just a personal thing. It's a hum that we can attune to waking up. What that's, was it like? So when I ask myself, what is it like to be manifest? There is a couple of reasons this inquiry arises because if I'm here, what am I going to do? What I'm I'm here, so I have to you know, engage in some way with the world, whether it's the internal experience or the external one. I have to. I'm not floating up in a cloud somewhere. I'm, I'm in relationship with a you know um, body made up of the four elements. Feed and wash, and I'm in the presence of other bodies, the people. So, what do I want to do with my life? What's it about? And as I sit in meditation, 
what's it about? So there can be this sense that, yeah, it's about waking up, waking up to the teaching, waking up to the possibility. And it's also, I mean, I could do that in a cave, maybe. But it's also, here am I with you, manifest. And what does it mean to be in relationship? So we can contemplate this because as we look, inquire into the into integration, how does this this cultivation of ours support this seemingly very personal experience here and support us as we engage with our lives? How do we how do we get it so the this thing works and is seamless. Our life is in harmony. <coughs> it's in harmony, inner, outer, and with all around. Mm. We've come out of contention. Mm. So, for my part, I'll just offer some reflections around that. You'll have your own your own way of working with your embodied experience, your life. Mm. But it, it's, I find it very helpful to inquire, what, what's this about? Mm. What, how do we, how do we, what do we do with it? And what we start to see with Dharma cultivation, that her life becomes a service, an offering. We live, you know, the encouragement is to live generously, this quality of Dharma, to live ethically. And so these are all, these are all about relationship, as Jatindriya was saying last night, we're, we're really coming into right relationship. Things with life, this precious human life, in all its uncertainty. So, talking with some of you today, and you know, just sitting myself, having started this morning reflecting on the Buddha's ocean-like compassion, the whole. Cultivation that that's embedded in, you know, just flowing through my mind. And this, it's again a very simple reflection I use is, is the heart open or is the heart closed? <coughs> in an everyday, knocking around kind of way, as we're pushing the wheelbarrow down the drive or whatever we're up to, we can very easily check in and notice. Have we closed ourselves off or are we present and available? And we have more opportunity in the retreat at this time of cultivation to really get so that we that becomes an, something just inherent part of our practice. Recognising 
what quality of heart we're bringing to our engagement with manifestation. In the teachings, traditionally, there are four major ways we reflect around these in terms of the Brahma Vihara. Qualities of metta, loving kindness or friendliness, karuna, compassion, dita, joy or appreciative joy, and upeka, equanimity. And they each have their place in this heart cultivation. They have their place in how we meet experience <coughs> as we sit. When we come into the hall, what happens? Is there a kind of contracting down? Or is there a sense of the heart opening? Here we are with this possibility of being fully with this body-mind. Fully with the others in this cultivation. So it can be we can get so that we're just kind of hunkering down. Try not to hear, try not to see. And, you know, but what's the result of that? So, once again, it's a kind of middle way, isn't it? Because it doesn't have very good results by looking around at you all, all the time. And, you know, mind's completely... Um, it's, it's abandoned my own experience, so concerned about everybody else. <coughs> you might think that's you know, kind and it can have aspects of that, but it can mean we've lost reference here. So we sit, and what's it like to feel a sense of friendliness and kindness for this experience here? Whatever it's like. Mm-hmm. That we're not, we're not fighting we're here. And it has this tenderness to it, doesn't it? The tender, we're available, we're interested. What's it like to be Willa or Tanya sitting here with, with the residues of the day, residues of the life, the feeling in the bodies, and, and so coming, being willing to be here with it all from a sense of kindness. All of it is welcome. There's nothing going wrong. And really feeling it. The, this sense and we can we can support the cultivation through direct reflection there are a lot of ways that we can reflect on on loving kindness they're the classic um, formulaic ways that can be very helpful for just priming 
and engaging the heart. May I be well, may I be freed from worry, freed from anxiety, freed from stress, from fear. May I maintain well-being in myself. And this, even just to run these thoughts through our mind can be very helpful because we can recognize the extent to which this is not happening. And it's, it can be just a way of noticing the disallowing and being present with that. So, and for some of us, the, the phrases and formal ways of cultivating these really work. And for others of us, they leave us kind of separated off and, and, and feeling that I'm not even sure what's supposed to be happening here. And so each of us finds our access point. You know, I was talking today with someone, and you know, we are certainly chittest because we had the most beautiful cat. Yeah. Encouragement was often to start with the cat in this cultivation because the cat, Gompo, is dead now, but was so warm and soft and was one of these cats if you picked it up, would wrap all around you. And if you sat in meditation, it would come and sit all across your back. So this real, it was easy to feel the sense of feeling loved, feeling tender. And many of us have access to that. Some people on their phone, it's all cat pictures. <laughs> Not to point a finger. Then <laughs> you just know that actually, what is it like to start to remember if it isn't a person, some creature that we feel relationship and tenderness for. It might be the tui I see in the bird bath in the morning, where I live. So you find if, if the words don't work, we, we evoke things for which we feel this quality, this quality of tenderness, care, grandchildren, it is, there's most of us, there is something for which we feel love, a kind of simple love, and we can use that to start to feel the body, to remember that feeling and let it permeate, fill us. So we know it from an embodied place and we can start to spread it out. So the mind becomes imbued with it, we can rest in it, we can let it spill out. So it drenches our body, the whole sphere in which we sit and it starts overflowing and drenching the room and from the room out and out. So we have this boundless quality to it, measureless. Yeah. So it's to find 
the access place and to know this quality both in its expanded, measureless quality and in its immediate we sit down in the cushion we feel into our body and we feel the intention the attention is bathed with this quality a tenderness and allowing so that we keep heartful in the practice we're not doing a trip on ourselves it's not because we're not practicing because we're not okay it's not a self-help program it's coming from a completely different place comes from this deep knowing that everything is alright and can be woken up to. And as we allow the heart to soften in this way, as we come out of the contraction to there's this possibility also of to being able to attune to the suffering and meet it with compassion to, to let it in and feel it and to, to be awake to what is here to dare to feel how it feels to be in a form that's mortal, painful constantly shifting and changing bound by birth, ageing and death so we, we start to soften with that let the Buddha's ocean-like compassion bathe us and I know from the work I was doing until last year working with the dying and the families how, how in extremitus those feelings arise when we look at real extreme suffering compassion arises for most people it's a kind of human response and what we're cultivating is also the capacity to feel it for the they're not smaller but they're less dramatic sufferings so that we can we can feel for each other we dare to vibrate with others feeling <coughs> empathy we can dare to feel feel how we feel so this it's this opening of the heart when, when they're taught, they, they are taught with four because we're also needing 
to keep a balance. You know, this quality always in the teachings is keeping a balance. So if we if we just you know, dwell in the in the affliction and feel the compassion, we can get overwhelmed so that we lose the compassion and we end up in sorrow, in despair, in defeat. So these, you know, they often talk about near and far enemies of these qualities. And so we just notice that if, if we get out of balance, what happens? And the encouragement in the teachings is to, to also cultivate this quality of appreciative joy or sympathetic joy so that the mind can both resonate with the, the painful but it also resonates with what is beautiful. We, we can see each other struggling at this point in the hall with the, say, the fact that the body can become quite painful. So there's a sense of compassion for each other in this mortal form. But we can also attune, bring attention to the incredible fact that we're all here. talking with someone today, the kind of miracle that people have actually done what it takes to get here, to this retreat, done what it takes to cultivate practice. I'm in the Jatindri and I are in the fortunate position of knowing some of the obstacles some of you have had to jump over to clear the time to be here. To the obstacles people have had in their lives that mean that their Dharma practice has come from a really profound place of longing for the teaching. It brings them here. So we can look around the room and there is not a person here which we cannot feel the joy, the joy that they're cultivating, that they're practicing, that their intention is to live ethically, generously, that they're waking up. And I find it helpful myself just sometimes to sweep my intention through the room just like this and feel the beauty of those I'm sitting with. It's very lovely medicine. My Dharma sisters and brothers, just to feel you. So we can each do this. And feel the, the joy we have brothers and sisters in cultivation. It's not 
and use that to encourage and give heart. As we're sitting here with the dull, restless mind. We're all working with these conditions. Some of us with more of them than others. But all, all doing what we can to come into presence. So my encouragement is always to attune to this loveliness, that we feel the generosity, we really notice the beautiful way Jackie rang the bell this morning. Yeah, the outside bell rang, the inside bell rang. (laughs) The outside bell rang, the inside bell rang. So that we let these things delight us. And it's not to grasp at them. It may never happen again. But in these moments, you know, that someone is listening and they're <coughs> ringing the bell so that it has a sense of harmony for us. That it doesn't intrude. They've been put their name down to ring and part of them is thinking, well, everyone can hear the bell outside. <laughs> Maybe I don't need to ring the bell inside. <laughs> you know what it's like. And they come into a place where they integrate them. We were there in the integration of the inside and the outside bell. Yeah? Did you notice? So it's just this way we can attune. You know, that there's all the time there are there are ways each of us is coming into manifestation that we can be nourished by. Just and it's not, you know, the danger is then we grasp, isn't it? Next person is sitting there and the outside bell goes. And oh gosh, I'm just a little out of rhythm here. <laughs> so it's not to turn it into a thing either. Yeah? I remember the bell last year. <laughs> 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 and it was a real practice place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we just be with the loveliness now? Yeah. Yeah, and then, then when there's a whole clatter tomorrow morning, we, what we can we bring that sense of opaque? The, somehow the whole thing fell into confusion. It, and it, it doesn't, it's nothing going wrong. It just feels like that. It's actually just another way the great world is manifesting.
And one, one way I, I contemplate Upeka comes from a reflection of Ajahn Chah, from it's a story that about one of the monks down in England, and he had incredible trouble with his knees and everything, and was. In a hospital in Thailand, and a whole drama going on. And when Lung Po Chao went to visit him, he said, you know, he was complaining, saying it shouldn't be like this. And Lung Po Chao said to him, if it shouldn't be this way, it wouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. Oh. And what I take from that is the opaka. Opaka is an understanding of conditionality. That with these conditions, this manifests. So it's seen as the highest kind of love because it isn't asking things to be different than they are, has this profound understanding. How could it be different in this moment? In the next moment, other conditions can be generated that may be more supportive, that give rise to something else. But in this moment, given the conditions, it could not be different. And I don't know how it feels for you, but when I first heard this and contemplated it, it was a huge relief. It's not to abdicate responsibility, but (coughs) to have this profound sense of acceptance. It's, I use the quality of yes, and it's not a grasping yes, but yes, as opposed to the tightening of no, yes. And if I'm here in my yes with this, then I can awaken to it. I awaken to what I am present with. And if I'm not willing to be present to it, how can I awaken to it? So equanimity gives us this capacity. Be here with the whole manifestation. Mm-hmm. And we can we can contemplate in ways that make this quality strong in us and grow great. And that we in the same way as with meta, karuna, 
the detail, we get it spread out across this world, world system. And it can sound passive, but it's not. Because when we come fully here, now, prepared to be with it, we can respond in a full-hearted way. We're not coming out of hindrance, out of ignorance. So, test it out. Check in with your own experience. But my encouragement for us, each of us, as we sit over these days, you know, is to practice, settles and deepens and some of the more um, surface stuff kind of burns off, mist burns off, and we're here with, with what it's like in this form at this time that we, we bring these qualities in our attention, our intention are imbued with them. Mm. Our meditation isn't about getting away. Mm. Blocking everything out. Because then we, we have the heart that is growing great. And what happens is, you know, the Buddha said, what you give attention to becomes the habit of mind. So we know this now from science, you know, the kind of neural pathways. But you'll have seen in your own experience that if, if you really cultivate these heart qualities, metta, it protects the mind from hostility and ill will. So when, if we're cultivating this, when something happens that may once have made the mind negative, angry, resentful, judgmental, and spin into negativity, what happens is this experience hits the mind and rather than flowing down a channel of ill will, negativity, that channel is completely silted up. It flows down this great river of loving-kindness. So we're we're cultivating, so the mind starts to be freed out of these unwholesome qualities. And when we engage with the world, we engage with metta karuna, which is the way the Buddha said was the way he engaged. 
So it's integrative because when we come out of the sunyata, the emptiness of meditation, like the Buddha, and we come into manifestation, and with what quality, what heart quality do we manifest? yourselves, just checking it out. Mm. It's such tricky stuff, isn't it? Because we can then use this teaching as another way we're getting it wrong. (laughs) (coughs) So, watch it. I remember then, it must have been when I first got Tanravati because it was the winter time and I was living in a teepee. And they later, you know, it was later disallowed because it was a bit extreme. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I guess I just come, I see this. Maybe it was the second winter, but I remember I was so desperate, you know, as a, I came from such a different part of the world. And at that time, we weren't allowed to walk outside the grounds of the monastery without another sister. This must be the second winter. And you know, they, they changed that later on, because it was really stifling. Yeah. It was very, very difficult because it was, how, what, what is it, five acres or something? Yeah. And I used to go around the edge of the field like this. <laughs> 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 and I, before I'd gone, I'd been to Perth and I'd seen a polar bear in the Perth Zoo. And Perth is very, very hot. And it had worn the track this deep in the edge of its cage. So I would be going around this. It's that feeling of being being in a cage. Well, and then what quality for it comes? Can we. You know, it was very helpful to recollect the polar bear. Something out of this element, in some way that felt so foreign, and it's really going as far as it can possibly go in its cage. Mm-hmm. It just sometimes these experiences help us feel ourselves, the, the, what it was like. And at that time I was practicing with this quality of metta, you know, and, and sitting, and I remember you know, sitting and, you know, there was, I had some back pain, as, as you do, and we all do, and 
I went to move and this judging voice came in that, that I was moving out of aversion Yeah, you just said, well, things are getting extreme in here. <laughs> <laughs> just that whole judging. Mm. You know, the whole meta practice had become another torture, really. Mm. So, watch it. You know, watch how we <laughs> lay these trips on ourselves. All this teaching can be picked up in a way where it's freeing and we can pick it up from the place of idea and view and it's crushing. Tindri was saying it last night. I know in Portland we were saying it a lot. Manzanita. Yes, realise, we're be just, in my experience, how I've done some dastardly things to myself using these really beautiful teachings. Mm. So they're not they're not a judgment. They're a they're a possibility. And they're a way we can they become like a way of us checking what's going on. Mm. It's a way of feeling it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So just that little caution on the end. Mm-hmm. Notice it when it happens. This harshness, this disallowing. Mm-hmm. And feel compassion for it. How could it be different? Mm-hmm. And in that movement, that heart open movement, everything changes. Or doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.